0: We know that I love Rosh Review um, by Blueprint, and they have so many great resources. So whether you're looking for QBanks, Pants Review courses, now is the time, and usually there's some special stuff, so go check it out. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club Podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I'm really, really excited about having Dave Duquette on the podcast. This is going to be a little bit of a different episode, but I think it's going to be very helpful. So I first met Dave um, on withashleyk.com on her blog, if you know her from Instagram. And she had Dave come on to do a great post about... Finances after PA school and during PA school, and things you need to know about. So, what's interesting is Dave is a financial advisor, but he's married to a PA. So, he knows what we've been through. He knows everything that goes into becoming a PA, and he kind of can guide us a little bit better than someone who may not even know what a PA is. So, this is gonna be a great talk. I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. Um, before we jump in, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, which is my PA resource. If you use the code PREPACLUB at MyPAResource.com, you can get a discount on help with editing your personal statement, and I know that that is a tough spot for everyone because you don't know if what you're writing about is correct or if you're in the right direction or if your essay is even just good, so we can help give you a little bit of help with that, so definitely check out resource. That same code, Pre-PA Club, also works on the PA platform, so if you have an interview invite coming up and you need a mock interview, if you need a Pre-PA assessment to kind of help you with figuring out if you're on the right track and a competitive applicant, we're happy to help with that as well. So check that out, but let's jump in with Dave, and I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. All right, we should be good. Can you say something to swing test?
1: Yep. Can you hear me well?
0: Yep, and it's recording. Okay, perfect. All right, so we'll just jump in and I'll record a little intro later. But if you just want to go ahead, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you.
1: Sure. So Dave Duquette, uh, run a financial practice down here in Tampa, Florida called Impact Medical Advisors. I am the the founder of it and uh, actually from from Boston and moved down to Florida 13 years ago. Essentially, chased my wife down here, and uh, she was uh, she's from New Hampshire, and she ended up coming down here to USF, and I eventually followed her down. Um, my wife is a PA, so she's an orthopedic PA. She graduated from Barry University, uh, the satellite campus in St. Pete, back in two thousand and nine, and you know since then we have you know started our own you know family, and we have. Two little ones at home. I have a four-year-old daughter, Elle, and a two-year-old son, Mason.
0: Oh, fun. So um, have you always been in finances and she's always been medical? No,
1: no. Um, So she is kind of a little backdrop on that. I I grew up in the mortgage industry. Both my parents were vice presidents of a company up in the New England area and just kind of assumed that I would stay in that area. But growing up, my parents were both 100% commissioned with their job. So we talked a lot about money and making sure that we allowed it to stretch. And they shared a lot of that with me, which I think is fairly rare um, with families being that open with money. And I just assumed I would end up in the mortgage industry like them. And we took, you know, back in 06, they started making some layoffs. This was before the crash. And I was in my mid twenties then, and they, you know, I, I was seeing families around me getting laid off, <clears throat> and I, I went to them and and told them to lay me off instead of, you know, laying off both kids and so oh. forth. So they, you know, I was the son of a couple of the vice presidents of the company, which was a little awkward for them. But I wanted to be laid off, and my then, my now wife, but then girlfriend at the time, was already down in Florida. So I, you know, they they laid me off. I had a plane ticket to come visit in uh, in February of '06, and then never went on my return flight. Uh, it was a, it was a lot better weather in Florida in February than it was in Massachusetts, so that was a pretty easy decision. But, um,
0: well, I'm in Georgia, and I've visited Boston, and yeah, I can't I can't deal with the cold. I'll I'll stay south.
1: <laughs> yeah, I grew up in it, so. That's why I live here now, but uh, but yeah, my wife she was always in uh, she you know got her degree in biology from USF and but in between going to PA school she ended up teaching middle school for a couple of years down here in Florida, and she was unsure if she wanted to go to medical school or PA school, and obviously she went she ended up deciding on PA school for a multitude of different reasons. And in that time frame, I had just come down here. The market had now turned very sour, especially in the mortgage industry. Um, And she was teaching and she's like, hey, just put your resume in everywhere. And I ended up getting a job teaching middle school for uh, several years and did that. um, Had a financial firm, actually West Shore Financial, which I am a part of now. Just run my own company inside of it. And they basically approached me in my second year of teaching and that was a I think it was 2009 or so eight or nine and and at that time it seemed a little risky to get into this business and I didn't decide to go in although I loved what they they were doing their philosophy on how they were helping people I just didn't I didn't make the move and then I think in my seventh year of teaching they approached me again and obviously long story short I've I've been there I've been here ever since and and uh, it's, you know, I certainly wouldn't turn back, but it's been uh, a little bit of a wild ride.
0: Well, I think PA and finances kind of complement each other. Um, I mean, just kind of, I think part of being a PA, you learn a lot about business, too. So um, medicine in general yep. is a business. Absolutely. And I think what I've learned, so my husband is a physician what we've learned compared to my parents who were teachers is that my parents have great retirement. They have state retirement that they kind of accrued over 30 years. They were able to retire and have a
1: great uh, pension.
0: A great pension. Yeah. And so they, they were kind of sitting pretty once they retired and it's been different with my job and now him getting a job. Whereas we don't have that. We have to build our own, retirement. And we have to decide what that looks like, what, how old we'll be, um, how we want to live. And that's a little bit overwhelming. It's stressful. And I think other people feel that way too.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's something to be said about pensions and they're, they're very powerful in the fact that, you know, you have guaranteed income from that pension, which is a huge help in retirement. And, anybody that doesn't have that pension now needs to recreate it for themselves. And that's, that's not easy. No. And especially with the, the average savings rate in this country being pathetic, <laughs> not a lot of people are able to do that.
0: Yeah. And then with the level of debt that a lot of grad students have, that doesn't help either.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> so I definitely want to get into some kind of practical stuff just in general. What are some just financial mistakes and you've probably seen a bunch, but kind of the top just mistakes that you've seen new grads or students make when it comes to planning out their finances.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I work with a large number of of new grads. So I teach at numerous schools down here for the uh, three or four different PA programs down here. Um, A lot of the residency programs that So I see a lot of these issues. I see people coming out and not knowing what to do, just being fairly overwhelmed with the amount of student loan debt that they're facing. And now finally getting a job, but just not knowing what to do with that money. So Mm -hmm. what I typically find is that people are fairly disorganized with their finances. So what I mean by that is you finally get out of school and you have a lot of different places that are dealing with your money. I mean, as simple as something from auto insurance down to finally money is coming in and you can choose to do whatever you you wanna do with it. And now you're incredibly busy at work and you don't have a lot of time to manage all of these decisions, especially if you're married, you have children, right? That takes up the vast majority of your time. If you're anything like my household, we get home, we have to do a lot of cleaning around the house, and by the time my wife and I ha- can have a good discussion, it's, you know, 10 p.m., right? Mm-hmm. So people are disorganized and there's not a lot of time devoted to actually looking at what they should be doing. So that creates a lot of stress in relationships. It causes a lot of stress in, you know, in creating more debt and so forth. So we always, always want to start with just helping build a lot of the organization of the plan and just seeing where people are. And then what I find is that people aren't or they don't understand the value of of protecting their biggest asset. So the biggest asset that everybody has is just your ability to get up and go to work. Right. If that came the way, especially for people in the medical field, you have taken on a significant amount of debt to have an incredible career in medicine that will generate great income. But if you're not able to go to work, that student loan is still bearing down on you, and you can't file bankruptcy and get rid of it. So when we're looking at understanding protecting that, you got to look at things as simple as what what would happen if you got into a car accident? What does your auto insurance look like? Do you have umbrella policies to make sure that you're protected against a lot of these crazy drivers on the road? Right And the fact that if you're in medicine and you're wearing a white coat or you're wearing scrubs, you're almost a beacon for a lawsuit.
0: Right? Yeah.
1: So it's, al- it's, it's always said that, you know, it's not a matter of, you know, if you're going to get sued in medicine, it's a matter of when. Right. Right. And what people don't think of is the second they leave the office or they leave the hospital, they're now susceptible to lawsuits as well. So we got to make sure that people are insulated from loss and just the threats to their balance sheet. Understanding that uh, in, a, in a deeper level, right? Things like estate plans for families, life insurance, disability insurance, things like that. That needs to be a starting point. To me, it's malpractice to not to start there. If you if you look at it in the medical terms, it's almost triaging a financial plan. You're going to start at the worst threats first.
0: Okay. Yeah, I was actually at a conference recently, and there was a whole talk about malpractice, which was really interesting. But um, one thing that was made me feel better was that PAs are sued at a much lower rate than doctors. Um, it still happens, obviously, but that made me feel good about my career choice. Um, but still, I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's there's always... I mean, it's just something in today's world that we have to be aware of and think about. Um, mm-hmm.
1: But what concerns me more is really the lawsuits outside of you know, outside of the right. workplace, right? So car accidents, if you're anything like Tampa or some of the major cities around, there are billboards surrounding us for attorneys mm-hmm. that want to sue you for a simple accident, right? And all of a sudden, some of the net you know, quote, unquote, neck hurts, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you're being sued. Right. Um, so we got to gotta really be careful of something even as simple as that. We've had multiple different uh, clients that have had to take on some significant lawsuits from fender benders, mm-hmm. right? So looking, just understanding that at a deeper level. And, and then I would say the major foundational mistake that people make is they don't have any discipline when it comes to savings. Yeah. They think they save. they may have a systematic thing that the systematic savings that goes into their savings account every month, but then it's typically taken out for vacations or Christmas or gift giving in some in some cases. Right. And the only systematic savings they have is their 401k or 403b at the hospital. Right. But they don't have access to that money right? So you can't touch any of that money. You can borrow from it in a couple of different circumstances, but there is a penalty to get some of that money, 10% penalty in all the taxes owed. So when people, a lot of the themes of my conversations to these new grads are, what does the next five years of your life look like? You know, If you're anything like my wife and I, you know, within the last 10 years, obviously, but in five years, we're, we've gone through building two different homes now. We obviously got married in that time frame. We have two children. There's a lot of life that happens. You you need access to your cash, right? right? So you have to be cognizant of your ability. The one controllable that's gonna create that success for you is your ability to save at a high level. So we wanna teach people, right? It's a kind of a mission of mine to teach people how to save 20% of their income.
0: You answered my next question. I was going to ask you what's a good number to shoot for as far as saving. So 20% is kind of a good place. Okay. Before taxes or after taxes? Because taxes are killer.
1: 20% of growth income. Yeah. So if you're making a hundred grand, yeah, you're making a- taxes are killer. They are. And, but I've, it's funny. I've, I've, you know, listen, I've a lot of different circumstances that I come across and, one of some clients of mine that are very high earners—they make a million, Gosh. over a million combined—and um, when they came to me, they had barely anything in savings. And and I, and I see mm-hmm. this all the time. It's it's commonly thought of. Well, if I if I just made more money, then I could save, right? Instead of just in you know, typically we can find savings in pretty pretty easy places, but okay what I found with them is that they just didn't want to give up on what I would call the lifestyle creep, right? They, they ended up just spending in spending at a very high level and it caused a lot of stress. And one of their biggest excuses was, mm-hmm. well, yeah, but we don't really make a million to we're taxed at a very high level. And so I simply said, well, okay, so you're telling me that, you know, you know, if you are making, you know 1.5 now you could save but a million two that's just too difficult like I, I'm, I'm confused here <laughs> yeah. right and, and you know you see i see that at all different levels right I, I think a lot of people think that okay once i finally start making some money it's going to be easy and it can very quickly get away from you so we always want to just focus on building that discipline and it's it's usually for me when i'm working with my younger uh clients it's pretty easy because they're not used to making money yet. Right? So when I work with my young PAs that just graduated or my physicians that just graduated, they're not used to making money. They're used to living off student loans. So for me to tell them, Hey, why don't you live off 80,000? You know, if they add a hundred thousand of uh, a job offer. Why don't we just systematize 20? Do you think you could make it if you're grossing or not, you know, right. your gross income was 80 grand. Do you think that would be okay with you? where they haven't been making anything, right? So it's, it's easier to develop that habit early on and then just maintain it moving forward.
0: Yes, I completely agree. I think, and I saw this with my classmates and I started to experience it some myself that there's a lifestyle inflation that occurs where Absolutely. once your paycheck goes up, you feel like you can do more stuff. So I really wanted to get my loans paid off very quickly. And I was really diligent for a couple months with making sure kind of anything extra was going towards my loans. But then I, because um, I had a really high interest rate, but then mm-hmm. I decided that, you know, I've worked hard for this money, I've earned it, I haven't spent any money the past couple of years. I yep. should just take whatever's extra, spend it on what I want, and then anything extra can go to loans. Yeah. So, after a couple months, I mean, that number just started jumping kind of up and up and up till there wasn't really anything left to put towards loans. And that's when I had to have a little come to Jesus moment with myself to realize that if I really wanted to prioritize my retirement and getting these loans off my back, I had to make some changes and there were things that could wait, basically.
1: Yeah. And it's tough to, you know, a lot of my job is just helping hold people accountable. Mm -hmm. Right. And and just being there and being that unemotional advisor where it's, listen, I I married into these student loans. Right. Right. So I understand the stress of them. I completely get it. But I also know how to remove the emotion away from making decisions with your money and typical emotional decisions with your money is going to make bad decisions. Right. Really, with anything. Yeah. Um, so it's a big thing usually after we can teach our clients to save it's that's the discipline that's going to create all the habits to get rid of the debt right because now we can pay all the debt off with a lump sum right but we're not we're not prioritizing the debt over your balance sheet
0: right and that was one thing that we made a priority my husband and i was um tithing to our church and uh, this is kind of how I learned that because from the beginning, we just set aside and actually have it auto-drafting so it pulls 10% out. And because I never saw that 10%, I never missed it, if right. that makes yeah. sense. So the same thing we've started doing with our savings, whereas we have our jobs automatically pull out money and we automatically mm-hmm. pull out money so that we just never see it really and so we never miss it if that makes sense. So it's good.
1: It's systematic. It's intentional, right?
0: Right. Yeah. It took us a while to get there, but we've learned some.
1: Absolutely. Um, Now, another big mistake, though, just to kind of go on that, just is the, I would say, over-reliance on retirement accounts. Things like 401Ks, right? A lot of people say, okay, I need to save for retirement. So it has to take place in the account that is labeled retirement, right? right? 401K, IRA, things like that. But now you're locking your money away when you're going to need it for having children and, and you know things of that nature. So, or paying paying off debt. So you got to make sure that where you're saving is very important and in the liquidity of it, having access to it, so that it'll give you the capability of taking advantage, not only obviously paying off debt and things like that, but in the medical market, you're going to have opportunities to invest in business.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's where great returns are okay if you have the capability of investing in a clinic or or if your husband as a physician has the opportunity to buy into a practice you're going to want to take advantage of that right so that's we
0: getting in on the on the business side versus just being the the money what do you call it money horse or something
1: correct yeah we just want to make sure that we're educating people on how to take advantage of opportunities. Yeah, right? opportunities finds cash, and cash finds opportunities.
0: Well, and that's something interesting I've noticed about the PA profession and PAs in general is, a lot of PAs I feel like have other interests and have interests like in the business side of things, and have been able to kind of get some cool administrative roles or move into. You know, being more involved in practices or starting practices. Florida is a great state for that. Georgia's a little bit more limited, but um, that is something I see across our our field a little bit more.
1: Yeah, no, and it's it's going to continue to increase with PAS, right? Where you have the capability of whether it's opening your own clinic potentially, whether it's buying into a clinic. You know, whatever that may be, the opportunities are going to continue to arise for PAS and get stronger and stronger, and you have to be able to take advantage of those if you want to, right?
0: Okay. Well, let's before we can invest, let's jump back to the whole loan side of things because a lot of people end up having loans either from undergrad or in grad school. Is there any just, if someone, let's say someone's listening who is in undergrad or starting undergrad, they know they want to become a PA, like, is there anything they can do at this point to kind of set themselves up for success in the future when it comes to their finances?
1: A couple of things. What I would recommend, so when it comes to just in general, and I'm sure this is something you've advised them a million times on, you need to intern and, and, you know, come around with and figure out all the different types of specialties you think you're interested in and go around and check them all out shadow get in all the different places so that you can really learn when you're an undergrad right there's a lot of confusion i would i would say in that time of life so the more experience you can have in a job the better not only are you building a reputation right of just being young and being able or being um, i would say motivated to get out there and learn in the job, you're you're building a network of people that have seen you as a, as now as a professional instead of a student. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's so important, and that necessarily isn't really about you know their finances per se. But I, I just took on an intern from down here at USF, and he's a sharp kid, and it shows a lot to me that he's willing to come in here and and learn and really be you know learning the knowledge. So. So I would say that's huge. And in undergrad, obviously, in PA school, you're going to have your rotations, and that that's another opportunity to to build your reputation, you know, with a lot of people that could potentially hire you. But I think you should be doing it even earlier.
0: No, I, I agree. I mean, I think like I mean, those people could be your future employers, really, too.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. But as for the financial side of things in undergrad, you know, a lot of it is. You should be, you should work during undergrad. And this is my opinion. It, sometimes okay. it does And if you don't need to take out the max student loan, whether it's undergrad or PA school, you really have to under, have an understanding of how much you should be taking out based on your cash flow. What? It, how much is rent and certain aspects there, right? Making sure that you're just not taking out the max just because it's offered to you. Okay. So I think that's a big thing. And I mean undergrad's one of those difficult things. It's I think one of the biggest things is just making sure you're getting your name out there, showing yourself as a professional rather than a student. And then just understanding cash flow, work and don't take out the max student loan.
0: No, I agree. And I tried to take out the minimum. Um Another thing I did that I don't know if this was smart or not was I luckily only had to take out federal loans and not any private ones. But I didn't even look at my loans until right when I finished PA school. I figured there wasn't really a point since I had no money to pay them back. So that was a shocking moment when I was able to (laughs) see how much they had grown um, with me doing nothing. But yeah, I mean, the interest... All of that is crazy. How it just adds up and adds up and adds up.
1: Yeah, that is never a fun moment. Um, and I've yeah. lived it on the spouse side of things, so I get it, right? And <laughs> so, yeah, right. Uh, but but I love I love that sentiment. Like, it doesn't matter what your student loans are in PA school. It doesn't really you're you're getting yeah you'll now, get right your undergrad loans hopefully you're not taking out an, a massive amount of student loans and hoping that degree will just get you this insanely successful career because under right. unfortunate uh, you know it's it's unfortunate that it doesn't but often it doesn't so pa school now you're taking on significant loans but you're now going out and grabbing a job and depending upon your location in the country you know, you're ranging typically what I find is somewhere between 80 to a hundred thousand of, of first year income. Yeah. So it's actually a great decision to take on student loans in PA school. I mean, obviously if you don't, don't have to, that's beautiful, but the vast majority right. do, but they stress out about it too much. Mm-hmm. Right. They're just so stressed.
0: Well, and that's what, I mean, some people come to me and they're trying to decide between schools and cost and I mean, at the end of the day, basically all PA schools are yeah. expensive. Some are a little bit more expensive, but you're going to pay it back.
1: Yep. It'll be, be fine. fine. Your stress in PA school should be on passing and graduating. That's what should it be. You shouldn't even stress about the student loan. Now, once again...
0: No, I agree. But like you said, exactly, try to take you know. out the minimum. So I did have classmates who... Um, I don't want to, okay, I'll be honest. They just made terrible financial decisions. Like, and I want, I would love your thoughts on this. So they would, I mean, eat out every single meal, including breakfast, bring in Starbucks every day. But then as soon as PA school was over, I mean, they were going out buying cars, buying houses. I mean, is that something that you would tell clients like, Hey, take a step back. Do you really need that?
1: Absolutely. So, well, there's one thing I don't, so I don't budget clients. (laughs) I'm not okay. going to sit there and say, you know, once I get to a meeting and we're analyzing cash flow, I'm the last guy to sit there and say, hey, create an envelope system because it's not a sustainable habit. Right. So I'm not going to sit there and say, hey, keep $400 in your entertainment budget and then don't spend any more because then, then I mean, <laughs> then they're going to get the what, what's going to really happen, right? For maybe two months, they'll do it. And then they're going to get a call and mm-hmm. say, "Hey, I want you to be in my wedding." You're going to say, no, "Sorry, right? My entertainment budget not is the budget. Um, not budget. Not going to be able to make it." I'm like yeah. it doesn't take into the reality of life, right? So, when what I do see though is I see these, I see a, people making decisions based on what they deserve, right? Or you know, hey, I've been, and you said it right, and you, it's a mentality. Yeah. You get I mean, and you yeah. have busted your butt in school. And and there is and it is absolute, you know, very difficult thing to go through PA school and, and med school and graduate and residency and so forth. So when you get out, what I've seen a lot I've seen people with eleven hundred dollar car payments. You know, my job's not to be emotional. So when I see that and I'm looking at everything else, I don't care if you have an eleven hundred dollar car payment if you can still save twenty percent and protect your income. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if your priorities are set where there's money left over after you've prioritized the two most important areas of your balance sheet, then I don't mind what you spend the money on. Just don't spend it by the 15th of the month. Right. So you just got to understand that. But, yeah, you see some people making pretty poor choices. uh, And all that does is cause a lot of stress. Right. Like, unfortunately, finance and money is the leading cause of divorce. Right? And and it's really? simply the stress that it induces uh, when when people are making poor decisions. And it's unfortunate when you see stuff like that happen. Um, so a lot of my job ends up being, you know, I would say. Mostly psychological in nature and a lot less math than you would ever think.
0: Well, I mean, like we said, if you get everything kind of syst- in a system, it makes it a lot easier. But how – so when it comes it to, let's say, graduating, loans, refinancing, I mean, should someone refinance? Like, what what's kind of a first step that someone can take if they're trying to get their financial life in order? And should – I mean, is it best to work with a financial advisor? Just kind of guide us like what steps should we be looking
1: at? There was a lot of questions in there. so I, uh, Sorry, that was a loaded question. I want to be able to.
0: <laughs> Pretend I'm a new grad. I have some loans. I don't know what to do with those.
1: Yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. Let's, uh, is there a, I think one of the questions, um, you know, is there a, should I refinance?
0: Yeah. Okay. That was a question I had when I graduated, but having government loans, I really couldn't refinance. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I, that's something that comes up a lot.
1: No, absolutely. So, you know, you're going to love the answer of it depends, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> so, so it, but it really does, right? Everybody's situation is very unique. Can you
0: right? tell us what refinancing is? Maybe give us a definition.
1: Well, refinancing can mean numerous different things. So, in some of your okay. some of your graduate loans or government loans, you sometimes can refinance those and just or, or consolidate them into one. Loan instead of having the numerous 20 different loans that have all different numbers on them, right? Which sometimes Mm -hmm. is a little confusing to the eye. Um, You could also, you know, there are a million different consolidation companies out there or you could refi it with a different company, right? So you can take it out of the government and and move it into, you know, there's the sofis of the world and other companies, not that I'm promoting them over others, but that's just one that um, does a good job marketing. Yeah,
0: people have used it and said it was good.
1: Yeah, so they I've seen – now, you just – you have to know the pros and cons to each one of these things. You know, staying with the government has major, major pros because you can get into those 10-year repayment strategies if you're working for a nonprofit.
0: Mm
1: Okay. So if you've refinanced out to one of those other companies, you can't do that. Okay. So that's a major – con, right? When you're looking at the pros and cons of these situations. So it, it, once again, going back to the dependence, it really depends on the specialty somebody's going to get into. It depends on are they working for a nonprofit hospital or group? Then there's also the programs where you can go work for an un- underserved area where they may give you a portion, you know, let's call it $20,000 $20, a year to go and work in an underserved area you want to look into these programs, but for a PA, you have to be inside of, um, sorry, the specialty has to be in a family practice domain or oh, okay. so it can't be in any specialty. So there's a lot of things that once I'm able to sit down with someone and really see what they're thinking about in the specialty they want to go into, right? Then we can start looking at, you know, what, what can be the best options and inside of those decisions.
0: So is the main benefit of refinancing to lower interest rate or just to kind of make it easier to have everything in one place?
1: Typically to, typically the look is the the idea is to lower okay. the interest rate uh, to get to get it paid yeah. off a little bit faster. What I've seen is that uh, it depends on the situation, but I would, I would steer away from variable rates. So oftentimes variable rates will be promoted because the interest rate Mm -hmm. will start out lower. Right. So you may be in a, an average of a government loan of let's, let's use an example of six and a half percent. If you averaged them all out.
0: Yeah. That's about where mine were.
1: Yeah. That's typical. And then maybe you could refi with uh, an outside company or an outside bank. And maybe they're going to give you, an example four percent know i'm just making up these numbers yeah. but if they give you four percent on a variable rate so sometimes people look at that and say oh i can save money by moving it in there and pay it off sooner but the variable rate can go up and we're at a fairly historically low interest rate environment so all of a sudden if interest rates creep up in the next five ten years that interest rate could go above where you were before right so you you ideally want it to be on a fixed Fixed rate when you're looking at these options, and then you want to measure the decision based on that.
0: Okay, well that helps give some direction um, to people who are kind of in that trying to decide type thing. And like you said, it's a lot, lot of factors that they have to look at. And I think the best thing is just to talk to multiple companies and people before making that decision. Shouldn't really be like, oh, this deal looks good, let's do it.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a big part of my planning is analyzing the student loan strategies because, yeah. uh, you know, I would say 80% of my clients are in the medical field. So that's nice. certainly something that I'm dealing with on a day in day out basis.
0: We have a lot of loans.
1: That's true.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, so, okay. So let's say we've talked about that. Um, at what point would someone need a financial advisor? Is it if they have a certain amount of money in the bank? Is it if they just feel completely lost, what, I mean, yeah. And how do you find someone? Cause I've, I've heard different things about, you know, different types of advisors and what to look for.
1: Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. There are, mm-hmm. So my belief is that it should not be a, it should not be about an amount of money you have okay. to invest to meet with an advisor. Because advice is not driven on simple investments, right? That's where, but a lot of people think, you know, I don't need, why do I need a financial advisor? I don't have any assets to invest.
0: Don't you want some?
1: It's a common sentiment, <laughs> but exactly, exactly right. Our job should be to teach people how to build wealth. So a lot of my clients haven't made a dime yet. My meeting, this, my, my, meeting actually right before this one with some clients up in Minnesota, she hasn't started practicing yet. She's about to practice uh, in a couple of weeks from now, start her first job. This was our third meeting that we've had. She hasn't made a dime yet, right? Her husband (laughs) or fiance is making some money. And we're just looking at building a structure, So that they can be organized and they can be educated on how to make these types of decisions so in my opinion you should seek advice as early as possible to make sure that you're understanding how to organize your financial world yeah now there are you know in in the and i think you know did you ask something about the types of advice or um Something wrong
0: with it. Well, just like yeah, types of investment. So, is there anything we talked a little bit? You said maybe not putting all your eggs in the kind of for like retirement accounts. But I guess how can people divers it diversify their portfolio? That's a very financial term.
1: Yeah, that is right. So yeah. it's funny with my wife and I. You know, if I'm ever talking in financial terms or acronyms, and you know, she's looking at me like I, you know, she doesn't. She doesn't know at times. Right. Um, but then I'll come home and I'm like, my elbow really hurts and I'm not sure what it is. And she'll say whatever the medical term is for tennis elbow. Right. That's what she'll tell me.
0: Throw it back at each other. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm like, what can you, can you speak English? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so yeah. So diversifying portfolios right now, there is no one secret sauce on how to do this. There isn't you know, one specific strategy that people should look at doing. You need to first, so the fundamental here, right? And I think that's a big takeaway for my clients is that rate of return doesn't matter. Rate of savings does. Okay. Right. So you need to work on the fundamental and you need to work on the controllables in your life. The controllable is how much money comes in and how much can you put away? Yeah. You can't control the market, nor nor can I, right? So the right. market's going to ebb and flow. It's going to go up. It's going to go down, right? And to stress about that or to say, hey, here's the one investment you can get into, it doesn't exist. So you just need to work on the fundamental of that discipline of rate of savings and really focus on that. And then organically, if you're focused on that, organically, whatever happens 30 plus years from now will be the best thing that could have happened if you're focused on that habit and discipline. Does that make sense? I know it doesn't answer your question perfectly of like, do this, right? But because there isn't that, you know, there certainly isn't that answer.
0: Well, and I feel like what you're saying makes sense. And that's what, you know, you always talk about. Or you hear about, you know, all these people sold when the market was low and blah, blah, blah. But you kind of have to know that that's part of it and you just have to keep staying your course. And whatever it is that you've decided to make your investments and savings and all that, stick to it, I feel like.
1: Yeah, you just don't want to be – I would say a good good piece of advice is pay less attention to the financial news. Yeah, they're the news, like everything, like not just in the financial world, but really in, in all sense, their job is to sensationalize everything. Right, exactly. So whether it's up or down, right, their job is to make people panic, essentially. Mm-hmm. So they're in there always, you know, there. they'll always be the person, what I call the water cooler mentality that will tell you how they got rich on this <laughs> one particular strategy. Oh, yeah. Right. They'll never tell you about the losses. <laughs> They'll <laughs> only tell you about the wins. So in that you just got to be wary. You got to be careful. You should seek advice from a professional. Yeah. The way I explain it for a lot of my clients, listen, I can certainly manage my health by myself. Mm-hmm. I can go onto WebMD and figure out what this pain in my side is. Now I'm going to get everything from I'm perfectly fine to I have cancer.
0: Mm-hmm, definitely.
1: Right. But, you know, I can choose to manage it that way. Yeah. It probably would not be the best thing long term. Right. Probably not. So it's the same in the world of, of dealing with your financial situation. I'm going to be emotional about my, you know, my body. Right. Like if I'm feeling something, I mean, no, this is cancer. This is this is it. Right. Where, you know, you would assess me and you're unemotional about this stuff. And you're like, Dave, you pulled a muscle. Right. Right. Whereas when people come into me, oftentimes they're they're emotionally um, upset or n- not necessarily upset, but just kind of
0: probably overwhelmed. That's how I feel about finances It's just overwhelmed.
1: They're, they're not. Emotional. I mean, they want to get rid of debt. Yeah, it's overwhelming. Yes, that's a good way to put it. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of my job is to really remove the stress from the situation and just design a plan so that they right. can move forward and do what they do. To the, that, that earns money, right? Like you want to be able to focus on getting up, practicing medicine, which you went to school and you love to do going home to your family and having a great time with them and being less stressed out about, you know, should we go out right. to dinner tonight? I don't know. Should we yeah. go out, you know, on this vacation, a family vacation, should we spend this money? Ideally, if a, if a well-planned design is in place, you should be able to freely spend what's left over without stress of doing it.
0: That was that was worded perfectly, um, and something that I needed to hear too. Uh, so That's very helpful. Um, okay, well, and I think I think it's good, and kind of something that I feel like you've insinuated is it's good to just kind of check in with your finances, and. Whether that's with your spouse or family, which is an important thing to do, a financial advisor, kind of everyone making sure that it's not just something that you're kind of not. I mean, people tend to not want to be open about money stuff, but I feel like that gets you into trouble.
1: Absolutely. You know, you'll never know what your neighbor, you know, whether or not they have a boatload of money in their bank account or whether they're dead broke, they'll look very similar to you. You know, if you just kind of take a visual look around your neighborhood you're all driving around the same cars your house is around the same price right but the what i see is the interior of the balance sheet mm-hmm. right and, and and that's where unfortunately it's a taboo subject and it shouldn't be and i think right. you know we discussed it earlier is you know growing up my parents talked about this stuff with me often right i i vividly remember them showing me a twenty-five thousand dollar check this this was probably in the nineties. Wow. So That was a lot of money. Yeah. So I was, I, I was like, all right, what are you buying me? <laughs> right. And, and I was, I was probably in my uh, teens. Right. And, and then they were like, okay, well, here's this check. We haven't gotten paid in three months.
0: Hmm.
1: So here you need to focus on, right. This is, this is great, but we need to make this last yeah. And they worked like I like I shared. It was a hundred percent commission for them, right? In the mm-hmm. mortgage industry, as a lender, for both of them. So just on how to manage cash flow very effectively was instilled in me, and just to like it, a thing that we talked about often. And and I wish it was. And it's almost a mission of mine. I love like and that's why I teach at a lot of these schools, and I I I enjoy it thoroughly presenting to large groups of people, anywhere between 70 plus people to, you know, groups of 10, 12 of just come in. Let's, let's just talk about this stuff. Let's talk about a systematic way to manage this stuff. If you choose, obviously I'm here to help if you want it. If you're working with somebody, here's some stuff to hold them accountable to. Right. right? And if you're, if you want to manage this or what I call DIY it, right. If you want to manage this all yourself, then here's a systematic approach to doing it. Um, And be wary of the emotions that you're going to have within managing yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. I like the discussion of the emotional side because I've never thought about it like that, but um, I've definitely experienced that. So I think that was helpful for me to make that realization.
1: I mean, I seek advice from advisors at my, you know, at my shop. I need it. Right. Because even when, right. you know, I recently had to have them talk me off the ledge of buying a new car just because I had to put a new radiator in my car. It annoyed yeah. me. <laughs> no, I'm not a so, car guy. I don't need cars. I like my, you know, my, I like my car. It's good for my family. And, and it's paid off. Like, I, I'm fine with it. It's paid off. But I had to put money in it. I'm like, oh, is it going to yeah. start breaking all the time now? Maybe I need to get a new one. And I was like, all right, I need some advice. Just talk me off the ledge. Here's the situation. What do you think I should do? And they're like, well, do you, why do you need a new car? And I'm like, well, well, I guess I don't, right? And just talking through it was enabled me to not have to go out there and get another, you know, four or five year car payment that I really didn't need. Right. Need versus want versus easy
0: decision versus.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: not as easy. Those are those are decisions we make all day long. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing. Are there any resources you'd recommend to people or places they can go to find you or more information about what you do? We'll make sure we link to all of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So um, you can always go you know, to my website, impactmedicaladvisors.com. Um, you know, you can schedule a free consultation with me. I do a lot of web meetings around the country. I have clients everywhere from California to, you know, to new England and obviously Florida and all, all over the place. Um, so there's always free consultations that you could schedule directly from my website, reach out to me. My cell phone is always on and I'm always responding to text messages and so forth of just certain questions. And this is my passion. I like to help people. I like to de-stress you know, this situation that people are so panicked about, um, and like you said, overwhelmed. So, I mean, you could call me on my cell. It's 813-956-3633, you know, email from my website and so forth. Um, I'm here to help, obviously, and it could be a simple conversation of here's how you should look at this and go back to your advisor and and look at it this way.
0: I love that. Well, thank you so much for being willing to talk to us and for everything you do for PAs and the healthcare professionals of this world who have no idea what we're doing.
1: <laughs> no, I, I truly appreciate you having me on. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I love with, working with you guys. Like I said, my wife is a PA, so I know the world pretty well. It's, uh, it's an unbelievable career.
0: I truly hope that you found that helpful because I know I did. I got a lot out of that. And I think, like we talked about, you know, people don't really like talking about finances, but they want to talk about it, so I think this was a great episode. Thank you so much for Dave coming on. I'm really appreciative of his time and expertise that is way outside of my realm. So if you have more questions, I'm going to put his email in the description, and then you can also go to www.impactmedicaladvisors.com, and that link will be in the description for you as well. So just, you know, if you have any questions, send them Dave's way, and also he is available to be scheduled for speaking engagements at your school or practice or hospital association. So if you ever need someone to come talk about finances and kind of get your people on the right track, you may want to reach out to Dave. So if you have any questions, send them his way and stay tuned if you want to hear the disclaimer. Alright, whenever we're talking about financial stuff, usually there's a disclaimer in place. So this is in the description, but I wanted to go ahead and add it here as well. Material discussed is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not issue or advise with regard to student loans. Dave is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities LLC PAS. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is an indirect, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Impact Medical Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Impact Medical Advisors is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Impact Medical Advisors, and opinions stated are their own.